Whether thou art a ghost that hath come from the earth, or a phantom of night that hath no home, or one that lieth dead in the desert, or a ghost unburied, or a demon, or a ghoul, whatever thou be until thou art removed, thou shalt find here no water to drink. Thou shalt not stretch forth thy hand to our own. Into our house enter thou not. Through our fence break through thou not. We are protected, though we may be frightened. Our life you may not steal, though we may be scared to death. Welcome to Scared to Death, first one. Yee! First episode of the new horror podcast. Very exciting stuff. I'm Dan Cummins, and with me is my beautiful wife and co-host, Lindsay Cummins. Oh, I was going to say my own name, but thanks. <laughs> <laughs> throw, throw it out there. Thank you, sir. Mm-hmm. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. That little intro you just heard was uh, an ancient Sumerian demonic protection spell. It was. And it's crazy how long ago, uh, 4,000 to 5,000 BCE. So people have been worried about uh, demons and scary things for a long, long time. Maybe for good reason. Because uh, it's probably true. <laughs> At least somewhat. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Some of these stories, absolutely. And, and I've become more of a believer as well. Um, this is a podcast idea uh, that I've been thinking about for a couple years. And then Lindsay and I have been talking about doing it together for over a year. And a lot of you listening to this first episode, initially at least, probably are coming over from Time Suck, and Time Suck is a very different podcast. Very, very different. Love it. Love it. Time Suck is, you know, a a comedic but factual take on cryptozoology and the paranormal and conspiracies and cults and history and true crime and a lot of things. And I did do a few horror episodes uh, in Time Suck. Mm -hmm. And people loved them. And people loved them. People loved them. People got really scared. And and I loved them. Mm -hmm. Uh, I got really scared specifically with the shadow people. So, so yeah. terrifying. I, the, I still sometimes think I see them places. You know what's crazy? Ever since I recorded this, when I when I used to record Time Suck, before we had uh, an office and a studio, doing it at the house, and I thought I heard something in the basement and had a weird experience that night, to this, this is like two years ago now, over two years ago, the basement, there's some, it still freaks me out. What? When I walk by by myself, there's a couple areas I just don't like to look towards. You've literally never told me that. Yeah, it's just, it's just I, nope. That's enough yep, because now weird it's energy. gonna freak me the fuck out. Thank you, <laughs> and that's the podcast. <laughs> and uh, and then uh, Amityville was one that really turned me. I'm a very skeptical person, but there were some things that stuck uh, with me in that story where mm-hmm. I just to this day, I, I can't rationalize like how this certain thing could have happened. Sure, you know how did the people keep being killed and no one else hurt? I mean, yeah, it's a whole other story, but it just weirded me out. And then all and then the one that really made me want to do this podcast is we did an episode on Annalise uh, Michelle, this demonic possession. Yeah, that was rough. The story itself was pretty scary, but what really freaked me out was the people who listened, Yeah, message after message after message of weird audio problems happening know, only during that episode out of and, over 150. Not only, not only just during the episode, but yeah. also only when people were hearing the actual demonic, yes. with the, um, the, not the seance, but the actual- the exorcism sounds. Exorcism, yeah, mm-hmm. like- People's lights would turn off. I just like one yep. stands out in my mind of uh, somebody in the shower, and all the power went out in their house, but their phone kept playing, and they kept right. Thing. And every time I take a shower, I'm like, <gasps> out, out of all the episodes uh, I've done for that, you know, do all the research on my computer, and the cursor started moving. It seemed, it looked like it was moving on its own. Uh, I wasn't touching the mouse, the, the little mouse trackpad, dude. Only time that has ever happened was working on that one episode. I don't like it. So it, it just changed me and it made me – where Time Suck is very analytical and, and you're looking deeply into the history of the people that are making these claims and trying to basically debunk it. Sure. But 
you know, that's not fair to a lot of these stories. And, and all the stories we're going to be telling on Scared to Death are just first-person accounts. Right. This person says this thing happened to them. We either trust them or we don't. Mm-hmm. And the thing I like to think about with these stories is they don't all have to be true. If you're like, if you listen to one, you're like, I don't know about that one. Yeah. Okay. But if one in 100 is true, it's a game changer. Uh, yeah. One demonic possession story is true. That means demons are real. Which, you know, they probably are. Right. Right. To, to some degree. Yeah. One I'm, ali- I'm going with probably. Yeah. And a lot of people, and you know what? And, and I used to be like, no way, no way. But, but I say that during the day. And then it gets dark, and then I think about certain things, and I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm not as cynical towards that and as critical, I guess, as I used to think I was. Well, right, and no one is that brave in the dark. I think right. that's what it boils down to. In yeah, the but, light of day, everything is fine, but when mm-hmm. you go to bed and you're all alone in a hotel room while you're touring, or yeah. when I go to bed and you're out touring, I'm like, fuck. <laughs> right. And, and for those of you who don't know, uh, I'm, I'm a comic, so I tour. This is not uh, going to be a comedic presentation. I'm not going to try to not be funny when we're talking, but when I tell the story, the, the point of this podcast is fear is such a powerful emotion. Like, I loved a scary story as a kid before I loved comedy. Right. I mean, there is a certain thing. Like, it's just it's such a powerful feeling when you're a little kid and you're hearing a story from a friend about some supposed axe murderer or some supposed demon or monster they saw. And you think it's not true, but then you start seeing things. You start you just start getting scared. Of course. And, it, and it's just, it's very powerful. It's like fear is such a powerful emotion. And I get why, like Stephen King, I love those kind of stories before I loved comedy. I just love, to this day, a good horror movie is my favorite kind of good movie. This is true. Because it sticks with you. And it makes you question the world you live in. It just has a an, an effect that no other type of movie has on me. Yeah. And I want to have that effect on other people. Essentially, I want to scare the shit out of people. Namely me. Mostly. So the goal yes. here is to see. Yes. What happens to me over the course of this podcast? Right, because you know, it, I, I could, you know, if I told these stories just to the microphone and no one else in the room, then you don't get to see somebody's face. You don't get to see the fear. You don't know when to like ramp up. The, uh, and and it makes me scared to see them scared. Then I get scared and I get worked up, and it affects sure. how I think about the story. And so the whole the whole goal, because I'm probably the psychologically damaged and sadistic, <laughs> I want to scare Lindsay to death every week. And I know if I do that. You're going to get scared. And I also know that I'm probably going to get scared. Yeah, so let's do it. We're all going to be scared. So bonus points if you want to listen to this in the dark. Oh. That's kind of why we have the ambiance here. This is as dark as we can get it and still get a video, so. If you're listening, check us out on YouTube, at least just to see the the set. Because we're we're not just telling these stories, you know, at a kitchen table. We've created an entire room atmosphere to make it scarier because ah, that's when these stories are the best. So I'm going to get, you I've know, got my, uh, yeah. my cozy, handy-dandy unicorn socks on. You can't see because I can't. Uh, I don't know where cameras are. And I got my blankie, which I like to snuggle up with and hide mm-hmm. behind. It's like my little shield. Yep, yep, little shield. <sighs> I am scared already. I don't well, even know what's coming, which is even more terrifying. And we, and we do have two scary tales. Right. Um, today, we're going to be telling, uh, the first story is going to be a story about an alien abduction. Because I know that's a huge fear for some people. Specifically, me. Yep, I know that's Terrified one of yours. Of like aliens, when you think of like the, <laughs> the, <big laughs> the weird head right. and like the goobly gobbly fingers. Yeah, you don't know what they're gonna do. Oh. You don't know what they want. Oh God. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. So story one. So the <laughs> all done. And, and also going to hear uh, about one of the just creepiest and terrifying demonic possession tales I've ever come across. Cool. One that there's a lot of criminal records that uh, are that, documented that's great. about. That, that's mm-hmm. great. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm, this, I'm gonna sleep well tonight. Thank you. Right, right. So you're you're scared of both those things, right? Yep. Okay. My heart is racing a little bit. 
sweaty palms, but I'm ready. I agreed to do this as an experiment <laughs> on our marriage. <laughs> well, the, just to set up the first story a little bit, how scary would it be to be taken from your bed in the middle of the night? Right, you're taken in an obviously extraterrestrial aircraft. Strange beings are now hovering around you. You know you can't fight them. You can't win. You know that they can do anything they want to you. Just feel this utter powerlessness. You have no idea what they want to do to you, but you assume it's not good since they've taken you against your will. Probably not fucking good. Probably not good. And then you wake up hours later, very little memory of what happened. You do remember being on an operating table. Oh. Surrounded by dark beings. You don't know what they are. You know they're not human. I thought you said dark beads. Dark beads. Yeah, I was like, I don't, I don't like that either. <laughs> beads or beans, both bad. They're all terrible. You have no idea where you are, right? You find out that you just woke up 500 miles from home. Only a few hours have passed. How could you have gotten there? The stubble on your skin tells you that several days have gone by. You're disorientated, dehydrated, beaten up. You're bruised. Uh, your body is bruised, including your inner thighs. Uh, no. Could you ever psychologically recover from something like that? Probably not. Yeah, I don't think I could either. I'm already not feeling psychologically stable, so this could be good. <laughs> I mean, being assaulted on Earth, already terrifying. Terrible. But by, but by strong, intelligent, you know, like extraterrestrials, it does add another layer of fear for a lot of people, right? And also, you have to think then for the rest of your life, they could come back at any time. Yeah, you can't protect yourself from them. Well, this is exactly what one Australian woman oh. claims happened to her almost 20 years ago. It is time now for the story of the alien abduction of Amy Rylance. On the evening of October 4th, 2001, in the very small town of Gandia, Australia, in Queensland, 39-year-old Keith Rylance, his wife, 22-year-old Amy, and their business partner, 35-year-old Petra Heller, say they were settling down for the night at the Rylance property, which was in the middle of a development primarily known as the Whispering Winds Winery. The whole area around Gandia is extremely rural, less than 500 people spread out over many, many miles. Keith and Amy were using an old trailer as a temporary housing while their new property was being developed. And on this particular night, just after 9.30 p.m., Keith is asleep in his and Amy's bedroom, and their friend Petra is asleep in her bedroom. Amy was in the small living room in between the two bedrooms watching television, listening to a thunderstorm outside that seemed to be growing more intense and coming closer by the second. Sounds like fun. Mm-hmm. Amy eventually fell asleep on the sofa. Normal. Normal so far. Petra would later report that she woke up around 11.15 p.m., left her room, which faced the living room, and then she would struggle to process what she saw next, which was definitely not normal. Great. Directly in front of Petra, coming in through an open window of the lounge, she claims to have seen a rectangular beam of light. Inside of this beam is her friend Amy. Amy is still asleep. Her body is frozen in the position she had presumably fallen asleep in. <sighs> Several items from a nearby coffee table floating inside of the mysterious light beam. No, I don't like it. In stunned silence, Petra walks to a living room window looking for the origin of the beam. She could see the light stretch back towards a disc-shaped object hovering at tree level a short distance away, and then she suddenly loses consciousness, overwhelmed and frightened. A few minutes later, she regains consciousness, starts screaming. This wakes up Keith, who immediately runs into the living room. Petra tries to explain what has just happened as Keith notices a tear in the screen at the open window. Uh, they sucked her out. Exposing the room to the elements outside. Uh, he notices an untidy collection of belongings from the coffee table on the floor immediately below the open window. He steps outside, runs around the trailer, searching frantically for Amy. She's fucking gone. Of course, yep, she does, he does not find her. When he runs back into the trailer, Petra tells him everything she'd just seen. And Keith entertains the possibility... 
that his wife had been the victim of an alien abduction. For sure. For sure. At around 11.40 p.m., not knowing what else to do, he calls the police. At a little after 1 a.m., Constable Robert Marunga, along with another officer, arrive at the Whispering Winds Winery. When Keith and Petra claim in all seriousness that a spaceship had taken Amy from the caravan as she slept, local authorities are presented with a situation they hadn't remotely considered. They're extremely skeptical of Petra and Keith's story. When another officer, Sergeant John Bosniak, arrives, the three men conduct a thorough search of the surrounding property, thinking something terrible has happened to Amy at either Keith's hands or Petra's or both. They find no sign of Amy. No clues to her whereabouts. They do, however, notice that the outside uh, of the property under the open window, two flowering bushes, one of them has evidence of recent exposure to some kind of extreme heat. (gasps) While the police continue to investigate from the beam, while the police continue to investigate the property in the middle of the night, Keith's phone rings. A woman had called him from the town of McKay. Now, this town is 500 miles away. She claims to have just found Amy. What? Amy, she found, uh, is confused and dehydrated at a petrol station. And she'd taken her to McKay Hospital before calling Keith. Keith doesn't know how to process what he's hearing. It's impossible. Impossible. Only a few hours have passed. McKay is an eight-hour drive away, and there's no private airports in between the two. No, no plane. Nope, no plane. Exactly. There's not enough time for it. I've hopped a plane and, and flown there in that short of amount of a time, or amount of time. Keith hands the phone to one of the officers in his trailer. A local missing person investigation now becomes a joint Gondaya-McKay investigation. The tale is now often referred to as the Gondaya-McKay abduction. Following a medical assessment and examination by doctors at the McKay Hospital, Amy Rylance is questioned by local police. This is what she tells them. I don't, I don't want to hear it, but also tell me more. She says she was laying on the sofa, falling asleep. Her next memory is of waking up on a bench in a strange rectangular room. Everything around her lit up, but she couldn't locate any source of light. The glow came from everywhere and also from nowhere. Hmm. She looked around quickly. Not seeing anyone around her, she called out to see if anyone would respond, and then a male voice came from nowhere telling her to remain calm and that no harm would come to her, and then she remembers being very afraid. I don't believe it. You don't believe her? Uh, no, I, I don't believe there's no harm. Oh, He's, no they're harm. They're fucking coming to, her, to get her. Exactly. She's Sh- done for. Shortly after hearing this voice, a sudden opening appears in the wall of the room, and what she felt to be a male humanoid figure emerges. No. This figure's around six feet tall, wears a one-piece bodysuit that covers him from head to foot. On his face, a black mask with holes for eyes, nose, and mouth. He speaks to her, again telling her to remain calm. And he probably has weird fingers. Her mysterious host informs her that when they're done, they would return her to a place not far from where they took her. Overcome with fatigue, she lays back down on the bench, drifts back into sleep, and then when she wakes up, now she's laying on the cold ground under some trees, close enough to the ocean to hear it. She feels disorientated, no idea exactly where she was. She picks herself up, stumbles through bushland until she finds a remote road. And then she follows it until she can see the welcoming lights of the petrol station. Shortly after that, the woman who called Keith found her and took her to the hospital. Poor thing. So when she gives her statement to the police, uh, she tells them that although this had never happened to her before, when she was a little kid, she once had witnessed a large UFO surrounded by str- smaller objects. She also signs agreements that allow authorities to prosecute her if she makes any false statements. Weird. Law enforcement in McKay takes several photographs of strange triangular arrangements on Amy's inner right thigh and on each of her heels. Heels. Furthermore, she had dyed her hair blonde just days earlier. However, you could see her natural darker color coming through at the roots. 
something that shouldn't have happened based on the time that had passed. Amy also had bruises on her inner thighs that appeared to have been there much longer than just for a few hours. Finally, when she runs her hand over her legs, she shaved regularly. Now she has stubble as if she hadn't shaved for several days. So it was like time had passed, much more time for Amy than passed for Keith and Petra and everybody back in Australia. So Keith and Petra, they drive to McKay. They pick Amy up. When they return home, they contact Diane Harrison of the Australian UFO Research Network. Ooh, Diane, come on. On the afternoon of uh, October 5th, less than 24 hours after the events, they would relay what had happened to the UFO researcher. Yeah, to the researcher. Due to the solid light aspect of the case, Harrison wished to involve a fellow researcher and investigator, Bill Chalker, whose own research was extensive in cases involving the abduction phenomenon. Hmm. So Diana and Bill, they quickly come out to the Rylands property on the evening of October 9th, just five nights after the abduction. They walk on the property, take a variety of notes, and then leave and tell Keith and Amy they'll be in contact with them later. But then later, when they do call, their calls go straight to voicemail. <sighs> Keith calls them back a few days later and apologizes and says they'd had to flee. He said after they initially uh, discussed you know, what had happened to Amy with these investigators, strange men in black suits <gasps> showed up at their property, threatened them, told what? them they needed to stop talking about what had happened. When they didn't take the initial threat seriously, they were nearly driven off the road by a heavy-duty black van, a van driven by these same men. What? Shortly after this uh, phone call where they relayed this information about the black van, Amy, Keith, and Petra disappear forever. What? Yeah, we don't know where they are. The police could no longer get a hold of them. I can't find a single bit of information on where they've been for the last two decades, anywhere on the web other than a rumor they may be now living under aliases somewhere in northern England. Now, if they lied about this whole story, why flee and go into hiding rather than get caught? They wouldn't have gotten in that much legal trouble. Did some men in black silence them forever? Or did creatures from another world come back for Amy Rylance one last time? And this time, they took her and her friends with her, and they're gone forever. Probably. How creepy is that tale? But what did Bill and Diane discover? That's what I want to know. Do we ever? They couldn't investigate any further because they disappeared. But what about all the pictures they took? What about what they were calling to say? What about the, with the investigators, the pictures they took? Yeah, Bill and Diane, they came over, right. they took a bunch of pictures, and then they were trying to call Amy and them, and mm-hmm. they can't get a hold of them because now they're, right. no they, one knows they, they are. They have pictures of, you know, the trailer, and they have pictures of the property, but they don't have anything else. But I want them to have something, like, okay, here's what we conclude from what we do have. Right. I mean, the, the main thing that they have to go on is Amy's story. I mean, they had, they had you know, they noticed, you know, like the, the brush that had been, seemed to expose to some extreme heat, yeah. the, the hole in the, uh, in the screen door. I mean, they see all of that. Right, right. But there, there really wasn't, other than the abduction, other than the strange, how did she get across the country, there wasn't anything else. And, and that's the scary thing about this stuff is yeah. they don't have to leave evidence. It's not gonna. Lie. It's not a crime scene. They just beam you out. Uh, also, it's not like they're leaving fingerprints because they're aliens with their weird, creepy, long fingers. <laughs> they probably don't have fingerprints. And their fingers, they never had to go in there. If they, if, if they do, ha- if they would have you some kind of beam just... technology, they don't have to set foot. That's, that's the scary part is they can take you anytime they want. Which is something I actually think about sometimes when I'm home alone. Yeah, when people go missing? Yeah, I'm just like, I could go missing right now. If there was yep. an alien. There would just be a missing persons report. Yeah, they could turn off the alarm. Mm-hmm. With whatever voodoo technology they have. Right, right. <laughs> that's what it feels like. Yeah. Take me, and then I, I would be gone forever. Remember that time that you were on tour, and yeah. somehow the alarm tripped, and it was going off, and I was sleeping right through it, 
and you kept calling me and calling me. Oh, yeah. Me. It would yeah. be like that. You were yep. so upset. Mm-hmm. Sorry. I was sleeping. <laughs> right. You just had your phone on silence. Uh-huh. But that is crazy. I mean, people go missing all the time and don't get found all the time. All the time. Like, I don't even want to know what the stats are of missing people. Thousands and thousands, thousands. of people. Every, every year in the world, of course. And then also, yeah. okay, so triangle tattoos. Right. On the, her The heels. markings, yeah. I think the heels are particularly odd. I don't know why the, the inner thigh doesn't seem to, like... Bother you as much? Well, I'm, to me, I'm like, bother is maybe not the right word. But to yeah. me, I'm like, well, they probably raped her. Or, like, we're doing some sort of, I don't know, figuring out how, like... God knows. How the reproductive system works. I don't know. Some sort of experiment. Maybe they're, like, marking where they worked, but her heels... That doesn't make sense. Right. Do you wanna, why do you want to know about her feet? <laughs> Who knows? That's the thing. There's, that's what's scary about the alien abduction is like no idea. If, if these things are happening, we have no idea why. Now, I, I, there was a picture. We can bring up a picture Ooh. of Amy just so you can see. Okay. And this is from totally a long time cute. ago. Totally normal. She looks completely fine. Sane. Right. I know that is something I wanted to say, too. I mean, not that, you know, not that somebody can't be insane if they don't look sane. But, but, she's it, not but it's not like, um, crazy. no, it's not like the Nick Nolte mugshot, you know, <laughs> where it's like, well, that's what's going on here. Well, yeah, that was a great mugshot. <laughs> yeah, she lo- I mean, she looks yeah. reasonable. There's a, there's another um, photo here. This is just of like an artist uh, rendition. <gasps> right. Oh, God. What if that what if that thing showed up in the house? Get that picture off the fucking screen. I'm not turning around until it's gone. Because holding, that's exactly some lady. Is that who you think would that's grab exactly you? That's exactly what I think. Is like the like weird triangle heady, like oval with yeah. the chin point and the long creepy feet. I fucking turn it off. <laughs> you know what's interesting is that, that image specifically. I don't know why it really freaks me out. I I, I would love to. I I think I would love to see an alien. The alien stories don't bother would me as much. Would you want to see an alien if it looked like that picture? The producer kinda, Joe just showed us. Kinda. But but but, but, but I say that slimy? I say that. Do you think it would touch you and it'd be like slimy I don't know. and weird? I don't know. But that, that's the I thing. I mean, I mean, from like a distance, jello. right? From a yeah, who knows? We don't know. <laughs> could be jello. Could be anything. Probably. I mean, I think I would like to see an alien, but if I'm, you know, in in the bedroom at night, and then that thing shows up in the doorway and it's not making a sound, yeah, I'm terrified. Terrified. You know where I'm mostly afraid of aliens? Why? When we go camping, not where, oh. not why, where? Because I'm like fucking. I feel like a wide open target. Right. They can just. I wonder. Beam right into your tent, which is just made out yeah. of nylon. Can't protect you. Just darker, easier. Yeah. I mean, the, the real fear for me is that, you know, if their technology is so advanced, they could take us from anywhere. Like right now, what, oh my God, what if I just disappeared right now? Oh my God. What if they could change our memories and, and make, like, so take somebody and then just erase your memory? I mean, who, I mean, I don't if, know. If, now I'm getting crazy. But. What if I'm not even real? What if I've been abducted oh, no. and right. what you see now is a clone of me? <laughs> Like, you don't even know. that night. I know you you can go so far with it. That night you couldn't get a hold of me. I was actually abducted. That's when when the woman I married went away. And you're some alien hybrid thing. But you don't know the difference. Right. And I don't have any new tattoos to show you. (laughs) If I suddenly get, like, a triangle tattoo on my inner thigh or heel, you should be worried. (laughs) Okay, that was a good one. And and tonight, it's funny because it's like, I'm not super freaked out right now. But I'm definitely, like, my imagination's going. Yeah. Tonight when I'm lying in bed. Yeah. And I can't sleep. The ending detail is what makes that one. If it wasn't for the ending, if it wasn't for their like, what the hell happened to them? Yeah, where did all three of them, not just one of them either. <laughs> right, because right. people assume that they, because the police didn't buy their story. Right. And people assume that they f- they were fleeing to avoid authorities. You're not going to get in that much they trouble. You made up a story. You didn't actually cause any, th- no. th- they didn't in- um, like incite panic in right. the community. And you're going to hide forever because you're worried about this. Get out. That, is, that doesn't make sense to That's me. That's an extreme way to get out of your yeah. emergency room hospital bill. Now, 
Have you have you ever talked to somebody uh, who has been abducted? Claims to have been abducted? No. Have you? I haven't either. I've talked to many people who have claimed to see uh, spaceships. Our producer Joe, uh, when he was a kid, yeah, Joe's uh, very convinced he Joe. saw a UFO when he was when he was a kid. And I've talked to many grown-ups who a variety of stories who have said that like they were out in the woods and then this told you the woods mm-hmm told you or or so, or so, sometimes not all of them sometimes have been like the suburbs or more like a populated place where they're like uh, on the porch out back and they see something or they see like an actual creature in their yard I mean there's all oh, so many stories and I just always think could they all be lying could they all be lying? Could it all be figments of your imagination? All of them, though. That's the thing. Because it has to be a 100% of the people have to be lying or imagine it for it to be. That's what gets me. Like, get the chills. I'm like, mm-hmm. somebody's telling the truth. Somebody, somebody actually saw something. Somebody, yeah. Okay, would you rather be abducted by aliens or, or possessed by a demon? Hmm. If you had to pick one. Let's see. Aliens, you're probably going to come back and not remember because they're probably going to wipe your memory. So that seems better Mm -hmm. they're probably not going to kill you my understanding is aliens generally don't want to hurt you we don't know that people go missing that's what people say people say it (laughs) (laughs) that's what people say or exorcism which you're probably gonna die i mean i just think about annalise michelle and i'm like Mm -hmm. oh i'm gonna go alien abduction hopefully they wipe my memory Mm -hmm. i don't remember it and i i don't know but then what if they come back for you that's a fear too you never know they can go back because they came back for amy but could you have multiple possessions? I mean, well, that's another thing. Yes, we're gonna get into that actually. Ah. I I also think I, I I would rather be abducted. Yeah, I think so. I, maybe I'm contributing to science in the future. <laughs> now now the abduction tale I included just because it's yeah it's creepy. It's creepy to wonder what happened. This next tale, if that was the appetizer, this is the main course. Oh dear. This to me is much scarier. Oh dear. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Are you ready for a tale of possession and murder? Are you really asking me? Yeah, this this is a real double threat. This is a tale of demonic possession and documented murder. Cool. Great. Mm Mm-hmm. 1970s were quite a roller coaster ride for Michael Taylor. Started off with a wonderful family, wife, five kids, a dog, made a decent living to provide for that family. Everyone's healthy. He was in a loving relationship, and then something evil happened to him. Something bloomed inside of him. Maybe blooms not that maybe rotted is a better word. Did this previously good man have his life wrecked by a demon? And if so, could that happen to any of us? Oh, God. Now time for the demonic possession of Michael Taylor. In 1974, Michael Taylor was 31 years old. He lived in the sleepy little town of Osset near West Yorkshire, England. It's about 45 miles east and slightly north of Manchester. I love Manchester. It's a small burg of about 20,000 people, most of whom don't seem to be normally infested by demons. Okay, good. It's been around for a long time. When William the Conqueror surveyed his empire in 1086, it was there. Old town. Coal mining was the main industry until just recently. Very blue-collar town is a typical amount of religious presence for a city of its size, mostly Anglican and Roman Catholic. And in 1974, 31-year-old Michael Taylor worked in Osset as a butcher. Uh-oh. Michael was the husband of Christine Taylor and father of five kids. He and his family seemed totally normal, appeared to be happily married. Michael seemed to love his children. He wasn't known to be suffering from depression or any other mental issues. Average looking 31 year old man with a big smile and a laid back personality. He's normal, got it. Seems to be normal. His wife, 29 year old Christine, 
seemed totally happy, devoted to him, devoted to her family. Prior to 1974, the family was not religious and did not go to church. But then a neighbor, Barbara Wardman, talked the family into attending a prayer service with a local religious entity called the Christian Fellowship Group. Here we fucking go. Here we go. From what I can tell, this group was not a cult, maybe a little cult-ish though. A non-denominational Protestant Christian group affiliated with no larger religious body, no one overseeing how they decide to interpret scripture, and they were a little fire and brimstone angry God, watch out for demons, that sort of thing. And this group was led by charismatic and very uh, attractive, 22-year-old Marie Robinson. Ah, female leader. Mm -hmm. Young female leader of the congregation. The first prayer group the Taylor family attends is led by young Marie. And at some point during the evening, she begins to shake and tremble, a sign that the Holy Spirit Mm -hmm. is within her. Mm -hmm. Mary believes she is able to offer healing to the suffering when taken in the Spirit. Knowing that Michael has an injured back, she believes that God wants her to heal him. Mm -hmm. She prays over him. I know mm-hmm. how this works. I was raised Catholic. Okay. Uh, yeah, and I, and I went to some Pentecostal services. Yeah, the, the laying out of the hands. Yes. Mm-hmm. When another member of the church, Mavis Smith, begins to weep uncontrollably, Mary is torn as to who she should help first. Eventually, she kneels before Mavis, begins to speak in tongues in order to exercise this woman's pain. And then to everyone's surprise, Michael Taylor joins it with Mary. And this is a guy who never went to church before. He's not a religious guy. Mm-hmm. And then he just suddenly starts speaking in tongues and praying fervently. First visit. He's being possessed by the Holy Spirit. He's really in. Got it. Michael immediately becomes obsessed with both the group and with Marie. Mm -hmm. The group later described as a cult by some of the other people involved uh, soon takes up a lot of Michael's time. Michael's all too happy to help Marie with whatever she needs help with, getting the prayer books ready for meetings, setting out the folding chairs, making the coffee, setting out the the shortbread cookies, giving Marie, you know, a shoulder rub. They're getting Uh very close. Michael begins to attend all the services, including attending personal prayer meetings with Marie, and now he's spending less and less time at home with his family. Yeah, this is not a good direction. His wife, Christine, begins to suspect that there's more to Michael and Marie's relationship than just prayer. She suspects an affair. Me too, me too. Michael said later that he was having an affair with Marie at this time, but only because she used demonic powers to seduce him. Well... Michael would later uh, say that he tried to fight Marie's seduction, but he was too weak, and they did end up sleeping together. I don't believe him. I I get it. Sounds like an ass. Michael also said he felt betrayed by Marie. He'd come to her with the best intentions. He wanted spiritual guidance, and then he was seduced. Marie would later tell a different story. She'd say that once when she was visiting Michael in his home, he tried kissing her when Christine left the room, and that she rejected his advances and reminded him of how much he loved his wife. Mm -hmm. Marie said Michael agreed that trying to pursue, pursue her was wrong, and when Christine came back into the room, Michael told her that he'd achieved a great moral victory, He'd overcome his passion towards her. So who's telling the truth? Michael or Marie? Neither. It's not, it's, yeah, I think I, I think you're correct. What, what, what's, what's clear, uh, it's not clear who was telling the truth. What's clear is that, you know, something was going on between them. Uh, something that would lead Christine to a dramatic confrontation with Marie in front of her entire congregations. Ooh. In the weeks leading up to this confrontation, Michael's behavior changes dramatically. He becomes depressed, irritable, sull- sullen. Then he loses his job for reasons that have never been made public. His mood grows darker. His wife, Christine, begins to worry about him. And then she begins to suspect that definitely more had happened between Michael and Marie than just an attempted kiss. Mm-hmm. During one of Marie's sermons, she stands up in front of everyone else present and accuses Marie of having an affair with her husband. Ugh. And here's where the story really gets crazy. Here's why I'm telling the story today. Michael's facial features then turn into something downright bestial. 
He jumps to his feet, charges towards Marie. What? Yelling obscenities, screaming at her in different languages. He is like animalistically enraged. He also then, quote, slaps Marie brutally on the face. Marie would later say that the look in Michael's eyes made her believe that if others hadn't been present, he would have definitely killed her. She feared for her life. Several members of the congregation end up grabbing hold of Michael. Before he can hurt Marie any further, uh, he's so strong, unnaturally strong, it it takes several men, several minutes to subdue him. Hmm. Michael continues to yell and scream at Marie, still switching from language to language. Terrified, both Marie and Christine begin to call on the name of Jesus. As soon as they do, Michael calms down enough to be released. And then after it's all over, Michael insists he has no memory of any of this happening. And then when Michael returns to the next meeting, after all this, he still returns to another meeting, the congregation, including Mary, after he he begs for forgiveness, does forgive him. But of course, his story does not end with forgiveness. Michael continues after this incident to become more irritable, angry, sullen. His mood grows darker still. His previously happy, laughing, outgoing family is now sad and quiet. And then Michael starts doing things in public he's never done before. Oh, like what? Outrageous things. Like literally spitting onto strangers. Spits on strangers. Tells them it's... That sounds not okay. Tells them it's the milk of human kindness. That's fucking weird. So weird. The milk of human kindness. His behavior tends to become more erratic, and eventually a friend talks to a local Anglican priest, and the priest decides that an exorcism may be needed. Uh Uh-oh. The priest talks to some other local theologians, and in the end, Anglican and Methodist ministers end up getting called in to assist with Michael's exorcism. Michael himself more than willing to participate. Okay, so so he definitely thinks he's being possessed. He wants the exorcism. Michael and his young wife meet with the exorcism team, and then the exorcism they perform lasts all night and into the following morning. During the exorcism, Michael is witnessed having violent convulsions along with screaming, biting, scratching, spitting. They end up tying him to the floor to keep him from hurting himself or hurting any of them. Anytime someone gets physically close to Michael during the exorcism, he snarls and snaps like a wild animal. Uh-oh. The prayers, confessions, and Bible readings go on for hours while Michael growls and screams in a variety of languages, more animal than human. By early the next morning, the exorcism team say they have cast 40 different demons out of Michael, including demons of incest. How do you even know? Bestiality, blasphemy, lewdness. Oh, I'm going to tell you. Demons these ministers call out by name. In most exorcism rituals, the name of the demon is important. The demons do identify right. themselves. You have to say their names. Now, this comes from a story recorded in both the Christian Gospel of Mark mm-hmm. and the Gospel of Luke. Yep. Jesus is confronted by a possessed man, and he very specifically asked the name of the demon before driving it out. The passage implies to many that the name has the power over the demon to remove mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And the concept of demons having names goes back way further than Christianity goes back to ancient beliefs from within Babylonian, Sumerian, Akkad-related cultures, the world's first civilizations, all have a rich history with belief in demons and demon possession. In Sumerian lore, there were three distinct types of demons. Disembodied human spirits who couldn't rest, half-human, half-demon entities, and demons that were of the same nature as the gods themselves. In ancient Sumer, thousands of years before the Gospels were ever written, one common method of exorcism involved transferring a possessing demon into an animal substitute, often a goat or pig. That's why sometimes pigs are associated with demonic possession. In these rites as well, a powerful component was was the demon's true name. Thousands of demons have names. I have books on my desk right now with demonic names. No, thank you. Uh, Names such as Acton, 
a demon of disease that afflicts the ribs and lower backs of mortals, tormenting them with aches and pains. The demon Gadriel, a fallen angel who taught humanity how to craft weapons so we could kill each other. There's Parathashiha, a demon who attacks women during childbirth and kills newborn babies. And on and on and on. Michael Taylor was possessed by over... 40 named demons in 1974 because after casting 40 of them out of his body the exorcism council believed that three demons remained. A demon related to insanity, another related to murder and another related to overall violence and mayhem. And based on what would happen next, they may have been right. Worn out after not sleeping all night, the group decides to stop, rest, try again with continuing the exorcism the following night. No, don't stop. You're they're exhausted. No they're exhausted. They've, they, you know, they've, they're worn out. The wife of one of the ministers who was helping with the exorcism would later say that she felt very strongly that if the team let Michael go, she's on your on, yeah. on your side here, he would most certainly kill Christine. Oh, I was based on the things he, he had said. Strength. But the group decided they're just too tired to carry on. Michael returns home with his wife, Christine, to rest up for the rest of his exorcism. No, 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 no. Roughly two hours later, Christine would be dead. Yeah. And so would her mother's dog. Oh, fuck. And Why? this And this is brutal. Oh, great. Christine would wake up one last time to a terrible vision. Michael, her husband, stands above her. But he's not Michael anymore. Oh, no. She tries to get out of the bed, but he lunges forward and pins her down. She tries to fight him off free herself from his grip, but he's far too strong. A naked Michael strangles Christine with his bare hands, then with his fingers, possibly why, while she is still alive, he pries out her eyeballs. Stop it! He's not done. Still with his bare hands, he quite literally rips her tongue (gasps) out of her head. Then the man who would later swear demons had taken control of his body tears the rest of her face off of her skull. The couple's five children, thankfully not home to witness any of this, later police would also discover that Michael had strangled his mother-in-law's pet poodle and tore it, quote, limb from limb. The crime scene was so disturbing, even the most experienced officers on the local police force visibly shooken up. Some of them would still struggle with the memories of what they'd saw years later. Well, yeah. Yeah, the nightmare they walk into. Fucking bloodbath. Yeah, the officers would describe Christine as being, quote, simply torn to pieces. (laughs) Michael was quickly caught. He made it pretty easy for law enforcement. Directly after the killings, he walks out into the neighborhood, still naked, wandering aimlessly down the street, covered in human and canine blood. As he walks, he screams, It's the devil's blood! It's the devil's blood! What the fuck? Covered in blood, walking down the street in the middle of the night like that. Michael tells arresting officers that he realized the demons who had been tormenting him were actually inside of Christine. And when he killed her, he knew he destroyed them. He told officers, released... I am released. It is done. The evil has been destroyed. I don't think so. Michael, of course, tried for murder. Of course. He is not found guilty. He is acquitted on the grounds of insanity. He spends two years in Broadmoor Hospital, a high-security psychiatric facility. Then he uh, is transferred to another psychiatric ward in Bradford for two more years, then declared sane and released. How is that a thing? He's still alive. He's uh, rumored to have attempted suicide four times since he murdered his wife. Sure. I get that. In July of 2005, 61-year-old Michael arrested and tried for inappropriately touching, sexually harassing an underage girl. Oh. 
a week into this additional incarceration, he begins to exhibit strange, possession-like behavior all over again. It's back. And then after pleading guilty to two charges of sexual assault, he's given three years probation, community service, mandatory service. And as far as I know, he's alive somewhere out in the free world today and quite possibly still possessed. Definitely still fucking possessed. Holy shit. How intense is that story? I thought for sure he was going to be dead. Now he's out there somewhere. I can't believe nobody killed him in jail for being a kid diddler. Uh, yeah. Well, a lot of those guys get just get, get re-released. I know. A lot. Which is a, a whole lot other mo- thing. Yeah. But just the brutality. And this is someone with Where no prior kids? criminal record. I don't know. I didn't even look. I mean, you know. Yeah, who knows? Like, I mean, I imagine, imagine with relatives with or well, I just mean like, adopted. Yeah, I mean, they're older now, but like. Oh, yes, yes, your yes. Your dad tore your mom's fucking face off. Right. Literally. Like when Literally. I say, I'm going to fucking tear your head off for doing that, I don't actually oh, he did that. mean I'm going to. And he knew, I mean, he was a butcher. He knew how to do it, I guess. Not that, <laughs> that you would that do it like that. That actually never occurred to me in the whole story. Like, as you were talking about the demonic possession, the butcher part never came back. Right. Just, he's clearly fucking possessed. And, and floating around in the world. Floating just around in the world. Just waiting for that little thing to tell him to do something. Like I just that. think like. Because there's no there's no hint of any th- behavior like this at all prior. No, he's totally normal. And I just think like, what if what if that is real? How how terrible that some entity, theoretically, could take over you, and could ruin your life completely. Like, what if a lot of people are in prison because something took over them? Well, I mean, just hypothetically, hypothetically, how terrible would that be? You people, we but don't I know. Don't, we don't know. I feel like you would hear about it in the news. Like, oh yeah, this guy, this woman, they're claiming but they not- were possessed. There has been more cases. I mean, yes, but not a lot. Right, You're right. You don't hear about it often. Okay. No. Here's here's what I was thinking. He yeah. went to prayer group. Right. And they're saying these prayers, which religious or not, it's like you could think of them as sort of like chants or whatever. Right. They conjured up something. So is it like, does that mean that every time a group of people gets together and recites prayers? Like they open up the door to something? Fucking, I don't know. We say that chant at the beginning of this show. <laughs> Like it's supposed to be protection, yeah. But yeah. Supposed to be, but also, uh, someone in my life. I don't. I don't want to name them just because, like, I don't think they want to be called out. But they practice something called Reiki. Mm-hmm. And when I was telling her that we were doing this, she was like, "Do not fucking say that prayer." And I was like, "No, it's a protection prayer." She's like, "I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't fucking do it. You are asking for trouble." Uh huh. So I think it's time for some sage episode oh, one. Yeah. And I, re- I already am nervous. We have another little protection spell at the end that will carry listeners out. What well, do you think that like if we bookend it, um, we're safe in the or middle? Maybe, or maybe it's worse. Maybe that maybe two is, is twice as bad. Now th- now here's Michael. T- let's get a picture of okay. Michael Taylor. That's what he looks okay. like. Again, normal guy, just like Does... our our first story. Normal. Right. How come the picture is never like somebody who looks crazy? I, I know that's what you want it to be. So it's more. Uh, so it doesn't feel as close to you. Right. It's like oh that person. There's something no. different with them. That's not me. That and, could be my grandpa. Right. And then the next picture is uh, Marie. This is the lady who ran the oh, congregation. Marie, totally cute, totally normal. But was she the conduit? Was she possessed and then like gave it to him? Oh my or god! Well, there's what that and whole like hiding now? hiding in the light concept, where some people think that evil right. entities are attracted to places like churches and stuff, where they can, you know, see Hide. yeah, seemingly just be you know like like the most undetectable, I guess, or maybe that uh, gets them the most thrills. I mean, that's the thing. If these things are real. We don't know. We don't. We don't know why they do the things they do. There's no rules. Growing up, um, so you're yeah. on your dad's side, Pentecostal preacher, grandfather, right, right? Right. Now, did you ever participate in any of those like 
hands laying hands on or praying over or any of those things? I saw yeah, I witnessed the laying on of hands. I witnessed the speaking in tongues one time, but I never participated in it. It it, it freaked me out even as a kid. And we didn't have to go. Yeah. You know, that was my grandpa's thing. By the time, you know, my dad was a grown man, he was removed from that. Sure. He, he spent his whole childhood in it. He witnessed it constantly. Uh I heard about it all the time. And then when I just the one time seen it, I mean it freaked me out. But I was the kid who got I mean I, I was the kid who got permanently banned from a church youth group. <laughs> Because I wouldn't stop asking skeptical questions. Which is, you know, whatever. That's like a different story. Yeah. But yeah. I have participated in a lot of laying really? hands. Well, sure. Because when I was, I grew up Roman Catholic. And then like in my teenage years, we had a youth group thing. A lot of people probably even know what it's called, Life Teen. It was um, yeah. a program, I think it was based somewhere in Arizona that like started. It was mostly like it, like the mega church kind of thing. You know, it was yeah. like very like loud, happy music, but they were trying to change the way that teenagers saw church, right? It was like a way to engage us in the church and make it a little bit more approachable instead of so uptight. Okay. Okay. okay so we would go, I would go to church every Sunday and then there were retreats that we went on and there were prayer groups and all these things. And I have yeah. prayed over people. I have people, I've, ha- I've been like a part of like those circles like when we would do it it was like you would form a circle and you would all kind of like link arms or be holding hands i think you were usually holding hands saying the same prayer over and over and over again and then somebody would i mean very much like what you were describing start speaking in tongues sometimes people would just start sobbing uncontrollably um like i don't want to i don't like to make this reference but the only like pop culture reference I can make is like very Billy Graham where you would be like there and someone maybe there'd be two people in the middle and a circle of people around you and the person in the middle has their head hand on your forehead and they're praying and then they start speaking in tongues and then you fall back like I've been prayed on and fallen back you've fallen back Uh uh-huh and you you don't think you like so so that that makes it that's different because I was just I always assume a lot of those people just to be totally honest are faking it no it's really weird it's almost like you're overcome with emotion is what I think it is more than anything. I mean, I've never seen anybody be possessed. I don't think I'm possessed. I don't think yeah. any of that was happening in my church, although I don't keep in touch with those people. But I will say you just um, it's almost like a like those uh, like tests that you do, like fall back. I'll catch you. Yeah, like the, a, trust, the trust trust test. exercises. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of feels like that where you just give in so much to the prayer you give. Yeah, given to so much of like whatever you're going through. And of course, I was an angsty teenager. So sure. who knows what I was crying about? Like sure. a boyfriend. Somebody said I was fat. Like, who knows? You know what I mean? <laughs> I failed a test. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just think like, do you think you could open like like the you could make yourself maybe vulnerable somehow, and then that's when something could maybe get in? I, well, sure, because I, I think know. that like if you're open to the concept of prayer and church in general, you're open to a lot of different things. Because like we said, like if just one of these bad things could right, happen, right? What's to yeah. say like one of the good things? Yeah. couldn't also happen, right? Like, you know, we hear about like modern day miracles, right? So there are right. two sides to the yes, point. Yes. So yes, I think that you have to be open to the idea that either side could be real. And so to circle back, yeah, I think like if you're participating in those prayer circles, you do make yourself vulnerable. Is it, and and maybe you can akin it to like when kids are little and they say yeah. they see things as opposed to like as adults, we just rationalize that it's not there. They say that kids are more likely to see ghosts right. because they're not as skeptical. Huh. Yeah, you can like so kind of shut that part, part of, that. of yourself up. Yeah, because again, yeah. I mean, you know, who knows what the rules are. Um, what I think is scary about that that last story, by the way, which story scared you more? First, uh, alien abduction. I think the first one. Simply really? Be, yeah, simply because I can imagine that happening. Like maybe because mm. I don't go to church and I don't pray, so like the, yeah. the possession doesn't feel probable to okay. me. Okay, okay. You know, it's, I, I, to me, 
The second one is scarier because even if he wasn't possessed by a demon, best I I don't know the, the phrase best case probably doesn't isn't suited for this. <laughs> probably not <laughs> to say oh best case he just gouged out somebody's eyes and ripped their tongue out. But I mean that happened for sure. Yeah. How terrible and what a, what an insane kind of murder. Violent. Well, if you had to pick one, eyes gouged out and you live. Eyes gouged out or tongue ripped out of your head. They're both so horrible. You're probably hoping that my tongue gets ripped out. (laughs) 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 That's the truth of marriage. Uh, Would I rather not see or not talk? (sighs) I think I'd rather not talk. I know it's such a tough one. It's such a tough one because I am I'm actually an incredibly visual person. Like I'm a right. visual learner. That's how I engage in yeah. the world. Like creative, blah, blah, blah. But then I think maybe I'd rather not be able to see things and have people describe something to me. And then I could I could ask more questions like, well, what color is it? What does it feel like? What does it yeah. look like? If you can't speak, I, don't, right. I feel like expressing yourself. Although you could always right. write things down. I know. I think I would, even though it's ironic, I make my living completely off voice. I would still, I think, rather lose my tongue. I'd rather, I'd see, and then I would just, maybe I could just do podcasts, like just do, it'd have to be YouTube only. Uh, or I could just oh, either like get the, at the hand. robot voice, just type it out and have oh. it voice to text, or I text was... to voice. Or I could just do a series of... Uh, sign like, language? <laughs> I would sign, just think the language. whole podcast in sign oh my language. God. It would a, be so boring. Scary tales only told through sign language. I mean, for people who, you know, uh, you, you speak sign language, that would be, I guess, maybe something for them. But it'd be, maybe, it'd be a small market. Maybe, still here. be a small market. Yeah. Now, one one more question about oh, being scared. Okay. Uh, Joe, we pulled that last picture. What about that? Oh, what is that? What the fuck is? I don't like it. Nobody knows what it is. It's a two-headed fucking skeleton. It's two-headed demon alien. baby. It's not a demon baby. It ties back. I cannot look at that. It ties. Just look at it. I Check it out. Fuck you. I'm not looking at what it. What if that? What if that? Like you go up to get is to the gone? bathroom tonight? No, still on there. <laughs> what if you? What if you get up to go to the bathroom tonight? And then you feel something oh, kind God. of just like touch your leg as you walk back, and th- and you, that little fucker's there when you turn around. Cool. I'll be looking under the bed tonight. The th- oh God, I really don't like that. The thing about that that freaks me out is mm-hmm. it it looks like the humanoid alien thing that we have already seen from story one. Right. And that freaks me out. Now you've given oh, it yeah. two heads, and it's got it's like it's skeletal. Yeah. Do they live that long? Is it over? Oh, Joe, God, can we have it come back? Can we have no, it come back up? No. No. <laughs> I wanted to see it again. Um, I just, I just like, if, if I had the, uh, why, why is Joe refusing to give us our little guy again? Because Joe, ah! There he is. There he is. I don't. I just, I think it would be fun to, Joe's to if, fired. I, if I had the money, if I had the money. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> how oh. mad would you be? So mad. How, you, no, don't no, even how say, it. You, don't say it. Well, I drug you to start. That what way, kind I, of drugs? that way, hold on. Just something to make you sleep hard. <laughs> and then that way I can tie you to the bed. Oh my God. And then if I had like somebody with like animatronic capabilities, like robot. And then I leave. You don't we, have any we, friends we, that are that smart. <laughs> I know, but if I did, we film it, and then you wake up, and now you're immobilized, and that little son of a bitch is just steadily walking towards you from across the room. I mean, would you think it was funny later if I made a video of that? Part of me thinks that I would be just screaming, "Dan, knock it off!" <laughs> <laughs> that, I think that would be you would just know that would be my immediate reaction. And then oh. when it didn't stop, um, lots of crying, lots of screaming. Yeah. I don't, in a fight or flight situation, I'm a flight, so it would be good for me. <laughs> just I be would stuck just be there. Like, my brain, I think, would stop working. Yeah. 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 Would I think it was Paralyzed funny later? Uh, probably not. Probably not for like a couple of years. Yeah, maybe like some time, time now, like five, ten years time later. And probably a lot of couples therapy. <laughs> well, what, what did your husband do to you with that? <laughs> well, I hope, I hope you uh, all listening enjoyed this as much as I had fun telling you these it was stories. Fun. 
I'm scared to go to bed tonight, that's for sure. I know, because that's the thing. A lot of these stories, you know, during the day or, you know, when you're with other people, it's not as scary, but then it's, it's when you're laying in bed, thinking about it, reflecting on it later. Yeah, that's what always this. gets me. Mm-hmm. When you hear something weird, you can't explain it, you see something out of the corner of your eye. Yep. That's when it gets really scary. And all these, all these tales we're going to tell, I don't just, you know, they don't just come from my head. They come from uh, old books. Thank, thank God. <laughs> Yeah, if they came from my head, they would, they would all be stories along the lines of the one I just told you about tying down and then the little robot marches towards you. It'd be like that. But these are all these are all True. accounts from people who think, hey, this for sure happened to me. Person after person. That's all, that's all we're going to tell here on Scared to Death is those type of tales. Tales that someone believes are 100% true. And if, and I, if think, I think there's some credibility to both stories. Yeah. So They're, they seem they seem possible. I will say they both seem possible. And for people who are listening in their cars, I have mm-hmm. to say, my car sometimes is the scariest place for me because uh, then I'm like, oh, fuck, I have to park and get out of my car and go from point night. A to point B. Or if like I'm going to my car, like if I was right. somebody who worked a night shift and listened to this and then had to go to my car, I would yeah. not be going by myself. Yeah. It'd be a lot of like, <sighs> <sighs> and running and like checking yep. the back seat and like knocking on the windows and. Yeah, yeah. So good luck wherever good luck. you are. Have fun with that. Have fun <laughs> oh with that. God. Follow us if you want. Follow the show on Instagram and Facebook. It's Scared to Death Podcast. You know, at Scared to Death Podcast. You can find us on uh, YouTube if you want to watch the show. The information for that in the episode description. And you can email us if you have scary tales of your own, questions, yeah. concerns, Tell whatever. Us. Tell us. Share them. Info at Scared to Death podcast.com and we also work on another podcast that I host solo, but we both work on it called Time yeah. Suck. If you want more content, and uh, yeah. I and think I, that's, that's I think that's it. I, I I hope you're scared. Ugh. I hope the the, the tails got you, and, and uh, uh, I hope you kind of had fun. Yeah, check back next week to find out how we did mm-hmm. together alone. Yep, I'll probably be crying. Tonight. I just sucked, I just sucked in my stomach. Cause, you did because we're on YouTube now. That's why I, I have this blanket. Right? I, hope, no, I'm just I, I hope I hope this show the way it's shot. Hopefully, <laughs> it gets me in really good shape. Yeah, because uh, gotta gotta raise my side profile game. <laughs> Constantly been saying that for years. Well. Maybe this if will you finally a, do it. If you had a blanket to hide under, <laughs> you wouldn't have to worry. Well, I hope I scared the shit out of you today. Uh, well, here's to our first episode. First episode. Whoop. Bing. Thanks, everybody. See ya. If spirits threaten me in this place, fight water by water and fire by fire. Banish their souls into nothingness and remove their powers until the last trace. Let these evil beings flee through time and space. Evil may pass through, but has no home here within scared to death.